Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Okay, here's the situation. Our daughter Mia is leaving for her first sleepover. We have friends coming to stay and we just got a puppy. So I go on Instacart and solve everything in one order from Kohl's. Fun PJs for Mia. Oh, new bedding for the guest room. And a vacuum cleaner that actually picks up pet hair. All delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. With Kohl's on Instacart, there's no such we can't fix. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum order. Additional terms apply. We live in a time where more people are talking. And that is great. And even doing this job. Um, and the job I did before it. People will talk more about the most deeply personal things in their lives than they ever did before. And moreover, people will talk to their friends and they'll bring stuff up with their friends. And they might bring stuff up with their friends that they're sharing for the first time. And maybe if people are starting to talk more, we need to learn to listen more. Or better. And uh, Fergal, as he's wont to do, pointed me the way of Dr. Tracy Marks. Now, Tracy Marks is a bit of a YouTube sensation. She's a forensic psychiatrist practicing with over 20 years. And she's a regular on CNN and other channels for her uh, commentary on matters of psychiatry, psychology, forensic, that kind of thing. And she is a YouTube sensation. And I got to speak to Dr. Marx over the weekend about empathy. She did a video on empathy and how to listen and how not, moreover, how not to listen when somebody comes to you uh, with something. Now, I, my apologies when I was talking to her, my, my voice was in rags. Um, but it's more of me, more of her than there is of me in this. So we got away with it. But this is uh, first appearance on the opinion line, possibly uh, she'll appear again on another occasion talking about similar matters. Uh, this is Dr. Tracy Marks. Dr. Tracy Marks, we live in different times. People are more willing now to come forward and talk about that which is on their mind. And that's a great thing. But we in turn need to be better listeners, don't we? Absolutely. And generally, we're not that great at listening. We may listen for a couple of seconds and then your mind may start wandering to something else, like looking at the shirt that they're wearing. Um, so now is an important time more than ever to listen to people. And can you define for me what empathy is? Empathy is the ability to be able to put yourself in someone else's shoes. So to be able to see whatever it is they're saying or experiencing from their point of view. Which is very difficult if you've never been where they are. True. That is very difficult. So 
it's not a requirement that you have you needed to have experienced whatever they did so that now you guys can be on the same page. If you haven't experienced what they're experiencing, the way you try and understand that is by asking questions, being curious to hear them, to listen to them and hear their story. So empathy is maybe a skill set then? I would say it's a skill set. I don't think everyone is born good at it. I do think it's something that you develop over time. Some people are just more prone to be listeners, but it is something that you can get better at if you're not a good listener. One of the messages that I got clearly from your video was, with the best will in the world, we want to understand, we want to help, we want to be, but we mess up. How can we avoid messing up? Well, I think if you just keep remembering that you want to you wanna be curious about whatever it is someone's saying to you. So let's say they, they tell you they went to see this movie and you've never heard of the movie. Rather than just saying, uh-huh, and let them you know, kind of keep going or let there be silence, you can say, oh, tell me about the movie. I didn't, is that out? That, that's out now, but I, I've never seen a preview for it. What's it about? And then that gives the person permission to keep going because now they know that you're interested. So some people will give you kind of, a a test uh, statement to see your level of interest. And so, um, you know, we're all going to mess up. It's never going to be perfect. And no one's expected to be therapists here. (laughs) The idea is that you take interest in people, be curious, and just ask questions and try and paint a picture of whatever whatever it is that they're talking about. So Mm -hmm. they're, they're telling you something, and you want to try and picture it in your mind, what that was like for them. And if you're having trouble doing that, then ask more questions. Well, where did you go? Um, how was the theater? Was it crowded? So on and so on and so forth. And obviously we're substituting going to see a movie here for something like, you know, my dad was a violent alcoholic. They've offered you that. <laughs> and, and, and you kind of say, okay, tell me a bit about that. What was he like? Right. So instead of assuming what you think they experienced, so a a kind of a classic thing or a common thing someone may say is, oh, that must have been awful for you. Well, it might not have been awful. They may have liked the fact that their dad was checked out all the time and they didn't have to deal with him. So don't assume that they feel the same way about that, that you would feel if you were in that position. So how can you, how do you find out what effect that had on them? You just ask simply, very broadly, wow, what was that like? Because mm. that's an open-ended question rather than it must have been terrible for you. Correct. And that's one of the ways that we're trained as therapists, or I was trained as a psychiatrist, of asking open-ended questions to get the person to tell you the story and not um, just ask questions that just have a yes or no answer. So did you do this? Yes. Did you do that? Because you could be doing that all day of of getting one word answers from someone. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing that tends to happen, it's kind of, we think we're validating, we think, ah, listen, it must be awful to have an alcoholic dad because, you know, my best friend had an alcoholic dad and here's what he went through. That's not the right direction to go, correct? Correct. Well, let me qualify that. So, Um, On the one hand, you do want to 
to give some part of your experience that you feel maybe similar to theirs so that they can feel connected to you. This shouldn't be just a monologue from the person or an interview of you asking questions and they and they give all these answers. Mm. But you don't want to start that way with, oh, well, let me tell you, let me tell you what happened to me. Your dad was an alcoholic while mine was strung out on drugs. Mm. That's what we call or I referred to in the video was one upping. Yeah. You're telling me this bad thing and mine's worse than yours. But what instead what you would want to do is um, you want to ask them broadly, well, you know, what was that like for you? And then as they tell you more, give them a break from needing to like unload all of the stuff. So when it's a natural break, let's say they stop talking, mm-hmm. if there's something that you can connect to or relate to, like, well, actually, your, your uncle drank heavily and that was a big problem in the family. You could say something like, boy, that, that, that sounds really tough. I didn't have an alcoholic in my family but I know my uncle drank a lot. He may have had a drinking problem for all we know. Yeah. You know, something like that where you're just kind of saying, Hey, I can relate because I had this experience, but you don't want to start with that because then that cuts them off. You talk about one opening. You also talked about hijacking. Well, define what that is then. Yes. Hijacking. And these are not official clinical terms. <laughs> these are, which is better, actually, doctor, because they're, they're plain English terms, which, which makes it easier to understand. Correct. So hijacking the conversation is where you get just enough information for the, from the person to see where they're going. And then you jump in with your own anecdotes and your own story. And then you just kind of go off on your own thing. Right. And now... And now wherever and and your own thing may lead you in a whole different direction. So we started out talking about your alcoholic father. And now I'm talking about how, you know, some the the guy who built my house went bankrupt. And, you know, what am I going to do? And I think that guy was an alcoholic, blah, blah, blah. And now you it doesn't even seem appropriate for you to jump back in. Okay, so back to my father. I mean, so now that person is just kind of cut off because you've just taken the conversation in a whole different direction, and now there's nothing else for them to say. So they've come to you to share something with you, and you've actually said, oh, no, it's about me. That's right. That's right. That's how it becomes. It's about you. And it is when you just take over and you don't really let them have anything else to say because now you go into this long uh, this long story of your own. And that's different from what I was just saying about offering some sample experiences that you think may relate to them. With that, you just want to be short with it. Oh, yeah, you know, I, I could see how you'd feel that way because we had this going on, but it's short. It's mm. not, oh, yeah, and then now for 10 more minutes, you're talking. Yeah. Do you know the way people can sort of throw you a bone, as it were, or leave some a trail of breadcrumbs in that they inside themselves want you to dig deeper, but you don't know how. How do you do that? So sometimes you may not be in the right headspace to hear what someone has to say. So, um, you know, they come to you with, my life is... Is I feel like my life is ruined and I'm I'm nothing. And you were like, 
looking at TikTok or something. And you can't even like jump into that depth of a conversation. So I do think it is appropriate, um, especially if it's someone with whom you're familiar, a friend, a colleague, or someone you're somewhat close to, to just say, whoa, uh, empathize with them. So I'm, I'm sorry that um, you're experiencing that. Um, you know what? I really want to hear what you have to say. Um, but right now, I know I wouldn't be able to listen to you. So how about we talk about this over lunch or later on or something like that? Hmm. So rather than you try and like click into to whatever it is they're saying and feign and th- feign interest when you don't really have it, hmm. just let them know that, um, okay, I do want to hear you, but I can't hear you right now. And doing that is also, I know this is a different topic, but it's also part of self-care. There are some people who are too empathic, mm-hmm. uh, so to speak, are very sensitive and can just absorb, just be sponges for everyone's hurt. And that can be very draining uh, for that person. So sometimes you need to set boundaries with how much deep, hurtful, negative stuff that you want to hear and engage with. Yeah. Inviting them to continue can be as simple as looking them in the eye and just um, and giving them your full attention instead of looking down at your phone and being really what now? Just giving them your full attention. You may not even have to say anything and that will let them know they can keep going. What is the message of silence? Uh, Doctors, is it? Great broadcaster called Terry Wogan, whom you may have heard, always said, don't fear the silence. How important is silence to a conversation? The message is, I'm listening, I'm listening. Yeah, silence is very important to a conversation. And we learn this um, in training as well as a therapist to not be afraid to let there be silence because a person may be thinking and there may be a lot going on in their head. And if you just jump in because it's uncomfortable and you need to fill the space up with something, you could again, hijack the conversation, take it in a different direction, or you can cut them off because they want to say something, but now you're talking about something else and they don't feel comfortable continuing with what they started with. Um, If you, so that's kind of from the therapist's point of view of letting people having, giving an open-ended question and letting someone just go. And if they pause, let them pause. You know, I want to pause for 15 minutes, but Mm. let them pause for a little bit to see if, you know, they're just thinking and then keep going. Um, But in a, just a regular friendly conversation with someone, um, yes, it could feel uncomfortable if they're silence, but I think it's, it's less uncomfortable if you do, if you are making eye contact, because you can see what the person is doing. Mm -hmm. If they've stopped talking and they're just looking at you, they probably are done Yeah. versus um, they're looking up or looking down because they're thinking and you can get a feel for, okay, I'll just sit here a minute um, and let them continue. I think there's sometimes a thin line between being empathetic and being nosy. Is there? <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. So you can, under the guise of I'm being curious and I want to know details, really be asking lots of things just for your own 
entertainment or satisfaction, details that make no difference in the story, or that the person may not have even told you had you not asked. So, um, you know, I had a fight with my husband and, um, you know, you're asking about how often are we intimate or did that, did that interrupt your intimacy? I mean, I may not have even was going to go down that road, Uh, but now you're just trying to like pull out stuff that's not, that's too much for you to be asking. Um, and just for your own satisfaction. So I think a way around that or to make sure that's not what you're doing is that the questions that you're asking or follow up on the things that they're saying, just giving more detail. Hmm. So if I had a fight with my husband, oh, gosh, um, where does it stand now? Did you guys make up or, you know, that kind of thing? That That's a natural follow up. Where should you never go? in a conversation where a person has begun to tell you something, or let's bring it back to the topic of say mental health. If a person is telling you that they're in a bad place and they're frightened about what they might do, what should you never do then? I would say you should never invalidate their feelings. So you may not, it may not be obvious how they feel. I mean, if they, if they're telling you, that they don't feel like life is worth living. You can, that gives you a clue of what they're thinking, but you don't want to say something like, Oh, come on. You just bought a new house. You just got a promotion. What's the problem or how, what, what would make you depressed? Things like that, where that um, basically tell the person um, it doesn't make sense for you to feel what you're feeling. So get over yourself. Yeah, there was a time when we did that. What have you got to feel bad about? Oh, Um, yes. But but we learned, I think, or we have learned, I hope so, that actually what's presented to us can be a very veneered version of reality. And when you're being allowed behind that veneer, it's, it's it's a privilege. It sure is. I say that, I've always said that it's a privilege to have people feel like they can um, emotionally unload with me and, and talk about things that are uncomfortable, talk about things that they, they um, don't feel like other people may want to hear. And, you know, when, when someone's talking about something painful, it's, they feel pain while they're saying it. So it's not necessarily something someone wants to talk about, but here they are. Um, uh, I call it emotionally undressing. That's probably not the best way to put it. But, um, you know, if you go to see a physical doctor, you undress so that you can get a physical exam with me. It's emotional undressing. But at any rate, um, but making themselves be vulnerable mm. and talking about things that are very uh, sensitive. I think it's a privilege for someone to trust me with that kind of information. Hmm. And you know the way then in the course of a conversation like that, I'm sure as a therapist you've been there many times, something will <clears throat> pop into your mind that you feel might be useful for the person talking to you. At what point do you introduce that without doing what we talked about previously, hijacking? Um, just as a regular person talking, yeah. or you're talking about as a therapist. 
I suppose the therapeutic skills, especially for the ordinary individual whose friend has come to them. Uh, the friend therapist. I would say um, it's really a judgment call on your part. It's There's not a one right answer. Yeah. So just get a feel for when you think there's a natural break in what they're saying and that they've finished their point. And that may be that you have to wait out a couple of pauses. Um, another a difficult thing about that, though, is you still need to stay engaged with the person. So uh, one way that could not be a good thing to do is you're not even listening anymore to what they're saying because you have this thing you want to say and you're just waiting your turn to talk. Mm. Um, and it might be that if you fully engage that you might forget your point. So depending on how close you are to the person, if it's a really close friend, um, you might say, you know what, I've, I, I just need to say this one thing. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I don't want to forget. Blah, 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 blah. Mm. Okay, now go ahead. Yeah. I just wanted to get that out before I forgot, but go ahead. Yeah. You know, something or, like that. Have you tried going to Alcoholics Anonymous or have you tried calling a suicide helpline or something? At what point would you introduce that? Yeah. Um, the way you said it is actually very good because it's just asking a simple question that doesn't have to sound judgmental. People can feel very judged if they're asked about things they haven't done. So, well, have you have you been going to 12-step meetings? No. And then, you know, they may feel compelled to give an excuse as to why and explain themselves to you and things like that. So, asking something like, have you considered um, Alcoholics Anonymous or a 12-step meeting? Um, simply asking it like you're asking a simple question and that's it. Mm. Um, so you have to watch your tone, um, I think is, is helpful. However, um, yes, be careful not to slip too much into fixing, problem fixing. Uh, sometimes people just want to vent. Mm. I know we hear this all the time, but people just want to vent and they don't want you to come up with all these solutions for them because sometimes it can feel very um, like you're uh, being superior to them. You've got the solutions and they don't. And um, and that's not what they want to hear. They don't want to hear you fix fix the problem for them. I think men are worse at that than women. We like to fix Absolutely. Yeah, that that's, comes from that. Um, well, he probably didn't invent the idea, but the uh, men are from Mars, women are from Venus thing. <laughs> that was a big craze for a while. And talking about men being the ones who like to fix and women like to sit around and talk about how we feel about stuff. And I, I think that's true. You know, I'm in a book club. When we when I go to book club, we just go on and on about this and that and the other, and no one's in there saying, well, you should have done this, and well, why didn't you do that? No one is saying that, because we all know no one wants to hear that. We just want, I just want you to hear what I'm saying. And I think it just comes naturally to women. Yeah. Before I let you go, you have a new book out, and maybe you'd like to tell us about it. I sure do. It's called Why Am I So Anxious? And it, it publishes in August. And it is a very deep dive into the many factors that can make you anxious, including temperament and personality. Um, and then there's a whole, the, the remainder or last half of the book is a bunch of tools that you can use to help and manage your anxiety. 
Well, we might talk about that book again sometime. Thank you so much. Dr. Marx, it's been fascinating to speak with you, and thank you very much for your time. Thank you. I really enjoyed this. It's Dr. Tracy Marx. You'll find her videos on YouTube, all kinds of different subjects to do with mental health and psychology and psychiatry, and just, I guess, understanding the human condition and, and how to help with it.